All right, welcome to episode eight of the Yankee Chronicles podcast. I'm Bobby Ryan. You can follow Yankee Chronicles on Twitter at Yankee Chronicle. You can also find us on Facebook and, as always, our website, yankeechronicles.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, please please try to like, share, and subscribe. And if you're following us on Spotify, please give our channel a follow. With us today is the usual suspects. We got Rob, Evan, and Donald. So, Evan? Evan here. You can follow me at EvanDWetzel4 on Twitter. Rob? I'm Rob. You can follow me on Twitter at RobB5199. And Donald. I'm Donald. My Twitter feed is at DStuart267. All right, so we're going to have a little, uh, we're going to continue the fun from last week's episode, uh, which was episode six. And we had uh, some fun with some trade proposals. So Evans come up with uh, a few more. And we're going to hear what he thinks is best for the Yankees. Evan, uh, what do you got for number, trade number one? Yeah, the first one's absolutely ridiculous. And I know you guys are going to hate it. I hate it. So you're going to hate it. Uh, trade with the Houston Astros. Uh, Astros. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Zach Greinke and Carlos Correa for Glaber Torres, Herman Gill, and Andujar. That's, that is interesting. I, I, I don't think that would ever work. No. For two reasons. Greinke would never, you know. I think he has a clause. I'm gonna. I we'll have to back. Uh, yes. Back check point. That. Great you point. Know, he doesn't come. To, yeah, he was no part of New York. Great point. There's no way New York parts ways with Gleyber Torres. Yeah. I think that 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 would kill the deal right there. Having those two players involved. He, he has a limited no trade clause where he basically put the teams that he doesn't want on uh, on yeah. contract. That's right. Uh, a lot of players do that just to drive up the price. However, with Grinky, you know he has the anxiety issues, and like you said, would not like New York. He would probably be another Sunny Gray. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Donald, what do you think of that idea? Uh, it's exactly as you say, the, uh, the partial no trade clause pretty <laughs> much does it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a no-go there in terms of Granky, so no chance. And, and also, uh, Brian Cashman said in regards to uh, trading Glaber Torres, he actually said, hey, I have to walk around the streets in New York City. So, Could you imagine the level of hate Carlos Correa would get if he got traded here? Not only to be a Yankee, but for Glaber Torres, someone most of us love. We would kill Cashman. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you're going to catch heat for even recommending that. I know. <laughs> I want to give you guys a little controversial one. That's certainly controversial. Yeah. Uh, the next one I kind of like. Correa is a phenomenal player. But yeah. You know, he's a great defensive, you know, fielder. You know, he's got a good contact bat. But he's – the way that he handled the, you know, the, the whole controversy with, with 2017, it's I, – I, I don't see any team – you know, somebody's going to obviously get, you know, give him a contract. But it won't be a team like New York. I don't see him going um, – I don't see a major market really breaking the bank for him. 
You know, he's very, you know, he's very immature, very arrogant. Uh, he's not favored with the media. I, I just don't, you know, him and um, him, Springer, Altuve, they rubbed a lot of the media wrong during the, you know, during that scandal. Bregman as well. And Bregman yeah. as well. Oh, Bregman's at the top of the list, really. Yeah. But um, what an awful, disgusting organization. Yeah, it's it's really you can't even put it to words. The disgust is just exactly what it is. Disgust. And they all tended to pass the buck. It was like you know the general manager's like, oh, I didn't have anything to do it. The owner's like, oh, I didn't have anything to do it. I mean, and then and the, and the manager's like, oh, I didn't have anything to do it. And then they got no punishment except for what, what one year for Hinch and yeah, uh, it was a mess. The whole situation was a mess. Yeah, and was it? Would you even consider it a punishment? Because technically, Hinch got a raise. He got more money from Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he it, got a raise. Yeah. He gets uh, out for a year. He gets a raise. It's ridiculous. It makes Manfred look so bad. That's all it did. Well, Worse than he is. Yeah, one more thing. Bauer put on his shoes. Yeah, one more thing before we get back on track. The, the fact that they had to serve a year suspension, you know, with um, Hinch and Cora, the one season was only 60 games. You know, it kind of feels like the, the fans that felt like they didn't have enough of a punishment, that punishment was even, more, you know, it was even escalated by having a shortened season. If if they think that they're free and clear now, I think they're in for a surprise. And the players on the Astros too. Fans fans do not forget. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also think that brings up a really interesting point. They didn't get enough because they only got sixty games. Well, Herman missed the whole season because he had sixty-five games. Yeah. So it kind of it. It screwed it. He got a bigger punishment because he had to miss a full season when he wasn't supposed to. And they missed only 60 games when they should have missed the whole season. And exactly. no one's saying anything oh, about it. You know what? That's, that's an even better point. It's 162 games. They should not be allowed to manage for 162 games. End of story. Yeah. Not just that. It's <laughs> it not just that. It was anybody who ever. Um, threatened or ever even made a joke about the Astros got more punishment than the actual Astros did. So, for instance, Joe Kelly. Nope. We lost it. Uh-oh. That even, like, uh, showed any retribution towards the Astros got more punishment than the actual Astros did. Yeah. yeah. So, like, for instance, uh, Trevor Bauer wrote in his shoes, uh, something about trash cans or something like that, and uh, and he got threatened with a major, major punishment. He wasn't even allowed to wear those shoes. Right? Did you guys hear that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. You want to make a, a comment before we go to the to the next trade? You wanna, did you want to say anything on the scandal, or you we've pretty much covered it? I think we got it. Right. I want to give you a chance to kind of put your two cents in. <laughs> I think we all share the same sentiment. They didn't get enough punishment. And I think uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say Manfred sucks. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's like, <laughs> Space says it all right there. <laughs> yeah. 
historically bad. I don't even know what to say about him. We it, he makes Bud Selig look like Bud was the greatest commissioner of all time, and Bud was terrible. Yeah. Remember when he said that the, the World Series trophy was just a piece of metal? Yeah. Oh, he was. He couldn't backtrack that if he tried. It's infuriating. It's disgraceful. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. All, yeah, all the rule changes. We can get into. We'll get into Manfred in, in another episode because we could spend a lot of time on him. So, Evan, what's your uh, second proposal? Okay, this one I kind of like. It's a trade with the Dodgers. It's for Will Smith. And Graterall, the guy that uh, the Twins traded with in the Red Sox trade uh, for Mookie, the okay. guy throws like 102. So we would get those two for Gary Sanchez and two mid-tier prospects. So no one in the top 10, but maybe someone like 11, 12, 13. I don't, I, I don't think that's a bad trade. I think we'll, you know, Will Smith is a proven player. You know, he's not a superstar. He's, you know, he's not the top of everybody's analytical list. But he, he's a solid ball player. You know, he, he's, he, puts the bat, he puts the ball in play. You know, he plays a decent outfield. You know, he's not an all-star, but he's not far off of that plateau. So he's a catcher, actually. Rob? He's a catcher. Is he a catcher? I'm yeah, thinking, he's been in the league for two years with the Dodgers. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking of Will Myers. That was my fault. Yeah, and he's with uh, he was uh, with the Padres. Yep, uh, my mistake, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was embarrassing. All right, so but no, I like the. Uh, I don't think that's yeah, a bad that, especially a guy that it's a catcher. Definitely. Yeah, he batted uh, 289 this year with eight home runs and about 40 RBI. So he was very solid in the short uh, time. Last year, he hit about 15 home runs, um, and they used two catchers uh, over in L.A. So I, I think if he you know, had a full-time gig, he might do pretty well with us. Mm -hmm. At this point, Gary needs to go. I think he would appreciate going to you know, a good team like uh, the Dodgers. The recent rumors is we're picking up his option. Do you think that affects his trade value? Not really. No. I, I don't think that his contract would be that high anyway. He, he, it's probably going to be less than $10 million. I know yeah, he got about five last year. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of Gary Sanchez. I would like to keep him. But you are replacing him in that trade and adding to your bullpen which yeah. the Yankees could certainly use help with. So if they were to pull off that trade, I wouldn't be too upset about it because, you know, one guy can hit, he replaces Sanchez in the lineup, and you strengthen the bullpen. So I, as a fan of Sanchez, I wouldn't like it, but for the team, yeah, I, I could I, – I'd definitely be on board with it. That's why I've always been a Sanchez supporter, but, it, you know, same with you, Rob. It, it, it's – as much as we like to play and we want to see him – correct everything he's done wrong and, and prove himself. The time has come to just, uh, unless we're getting, if we were going to get another cat, a veteran catcher that was going to be able to work with him. You know, if we're going to be, if they're going to be able to sign Molina to a two year deal to work with Sanchez, 
Otherwise, you trade him. You know, you 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 move for, you move on from him for younger catchers that can work and coexist with Higashioka. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, now that I've already embarrassed myself with that one. Uh, so the third and final trade I have is another Lindor and Carrasco trade. Okay. Gary Sanchez, Velope, Herman, and Gill. I think the Indians would want more for that. I think, yeah. I think it's – I don't think they can because of the contract. They're going to have to give Lindor a $200 million contract. So you're going to negotiate that into the trade. Yeah, but you, they can get a better, you know, better quality in return from other other teams if that's what you're going to offer. You know, they'll they'll look at they'll look across, you know, to Queens and they'll go to to Cohen and whoever their GM is going to be. You know, right now Walderson is filling that role. You know, they'll just go next door and be like, "Well, we know you could do better." And then I don't think so. I think they have zero leverage right now. I, I, th- I think they, they screwed up. They needed to trade him last year when his value was high and nobody knew that they could move him. Now everyone is sitting going, you have to move him because you can't pay him. Find a team that can. There's only about four teams that can pay him. And the, you're true. right. The Mets are one of them. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. There's only about four or five teams that can – Take on a uh, Lindor. Yeah. I interject though. Um, no team wants to help the Yankees. They always up the price. Of the Yankees. They always add on extra um, top prospects to every trade proposal involving the Yankees. Every team. That's just the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. That's why Cashman's not been able to get anything done in any of the last two. I, I disagree on that one as well. I think that he has certain relationships with certain teams, and because of it, he was able to get steals like Geo, steals like Voice. Well, he can get steals, but when yeah. you want the top guys, the, the new team wants to help the Yankees. Yeah. But that's kind of the case with everyone. I mean, if you look at what the Pittsburgh Pirates did, then yes, I agree with your point. They are notorious for screwing over the Yankees, and they took a horrible trade with Tampa Bay just to spite us. That we, we wanted Archer for a minute, but we weren't going to give them that nonsense. Yeah, not just them. There's a whole bunch of teams that do that to us. Well, it's like when uh, the Pirates first put Cole on the market. You know, that's what, you know, they wanted, you know, which in hindsight, Yankees should have taken the deal, mm-hmm. you know, but Andujar was tearing it up, you know, when he first came up. And that's one of the guys without Andujar, they weren't going to give us Cole. Yeah. So, you know, they asked for Severino too, though. Yeah. I thought it was Adams. No, is it? I think Adams it was, was kind of a throw in, but. Adams was another one, man. He was going to be our top prospect. He's value's shot right now. Well, that, that's something else I wanted to get into. Um, once you know, after, with the proposals, with the prospects that you know we've been you know discussing about trading or receiving on the on the other end. Looking, uh, I was looking at some of the 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 stats on. Frankie Mantos, Mantos. 
Yep. Uh, with the, you know, it, was, it had a high ERA. I think it was 4.6 in 2020 with a three and five record. You had a negative eight, you know, a negative war stat. We've seen so many times where we're going, you know, why would you trade for this person, for this player? And they end up being a diamond in the rough, like, uh, you know, Voight. And Urshela and Talkman was another one that the Yankees received that nobody knew of and ended up to really put it together. Does that cause some fans to hesitate getting rid of some of our prospects? You know, there was two seasons ago, uh, David Garcia was a hot topic during the trade deadline. You know, and a lot of people wanted to move on. You know, we've got to trade him while he's hot, trade him while his stock is high. Meanwhile, you end up hurting, you know, you you take that risk of shooting yourself in the foot when you pull the trigger or you don't. So, do you, you know, Rob, do you feel that sometimes we're too close-knit with, with the prospects with, you know, or are we too quick to want to get rid of them because we don't know what they're going to be turn out to be? Uh, if you're talking about in terms of the fan base or are you talking about the team itself? Fan base. Fan base, oh, I mean, it's kind of like split down the middle, If you, especially if you go on Twitter. But you'll have people saying that Cashman prospect hugs too much, which is true in some cases. Yeah. There are guys that he has re- regret or not traded at all because he likes them too much. Um, but, yeah, I think fans might get a little too quick to pull the trigger sometimes because you don't know what that prospect is going to be. But at the same time, that's a reason to trade them while the value is high. So it's kind of split. I mean, if you're going just by Twitter, then, yeah, fans want to trade a prospect as soon as he becomes uh, relevant in the in the system. Yeah, it seems like, you know, as soon as they gain any stock, they want to move him for that shiny object, you know. Right. Evan, how do you feel about, you know, with the fan base and the prospects? Do you feel like, the, you know, we're fair to our prospects or are we quick to just kind of discard them for – you know, the, the, the hot item of the month? I think we do both. I think a lot of the times um, with players in the past, like Jabba Chamberlain, Phil Hughes, and Ian Kennedy, we held on to them way too long. And we could have yeah. gotten we could have gotten Cliff Lee. We could have gotten uh, King Felix. We could have gotten Roy Halladay. And we didn't do it. Um, so th- though in those situations, it's, it's tricky and it's frustrating, but I, I think, um, you notice the, the type of pit players they hold on to is usually the pitchers, because if a pitcher turns into a star, you have the biggest gem right there. Yeah, so it's yeah. very hard for Cashman to want to move those gems, especially if he's getting another aging pitcher. That's normally not a very safe bet. If you look at the past again, most of the trades that Cashman has made, we actually have won. We didn't give up anything for Sonny Gray, and I know he didn't work out here, but none of those prospects turned out to anything, and he gave them up at the right time. Yeah, right. And so, I, you know, it, it's, it's really a catch-20. It's a no-win situation for the yeah. organization and the fan base. Because somebody's going to be a fan of somebody. Yeah, so – you know, I remember, you know, a few years ago, I was very high on Floreal. You know, and we've, we've talked about him a few weeks ago. You know, but it's gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, if they're not going to play him, trade him. You know, there's yeah. no room for him at this point. 
So he's somebody that I've put thought into that I would put into a package that maybe in the right organization that's going to, you know, that he knows he's going to have room to move up. You can see him get over that, that hump and really be a valuable piece to a roster. You know, so, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to gauge who's going to be successful and who's not. Donald, do you think that the Yankees have missed a boat on trading, you know, some of these guys when they were looking for, um, uh, I don't know, Frazier was a hot hot item at one point. Um, Estrada was somebody that was highly touted. You know, do you think that the Yankees will regret not moving those pieces when they had the chance? Oh, yeah. I mean, as I say, um, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place because um, we want to develop our own prospects. Um, but um, sometimes Cashman does love to keep a hold of certain guys, um, even when their um, value is diminished. Um, as you mentioned, Boreal is a really good example because we could have gone a whole host of, of, of really good players um, with, with him as part of the package. Um, and Duhar, who doesn't really have a position at the moment, yeah. Um, and when he had his big breakout year, I know a lot of fans um, w- would have been really pissed off. If, excuse me if, if we if we traded him, but he didn't really have a position because he's not particularly good at third base, um, and he looks really shaky in the outfield. Um, so, to be honest, I think he was a buy high, uh, a sell high. Sorry. So I think he would have been a really good um, option to, to trade at that time. Now. I don't even know what we could really get at the moment for him. Sanchez is the best example. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I, I, as I mentioned in the last podcast, we could have gotten him for, we could have traded him for JD Real Muto um, uh, when, when Real Muto was being traded by the Marlins. So um, now there's no chance we're ever going to get Real Muto. So, I mean, when you think about it that, that way, uh, we have prospect hugged and, uh, and then, as you mentioned, Clint Frazier, although his values break back up, yeah. um, the Yankees, Brian Cashman in particular, destroyed his trade value um, and destroyed his confidence by dropping him, picking him up, dropping him, picking him up, dropping him. I mean, at that point, then he suddenly, you know, started making errors all over the, all over the field. Well, I think, I, yeah, I think Clint Frazier did a phenomenal job at reinventing himself and putting him back. Oh, he's he's right back, in, and now he needs to be the starting left fielder. So I don't want him part of any trade possibilities. But as I say, I think the Yankees have have made a lot of mistakes in terms of which prospects to keep a hold of. Sometimes Brian Cashman uh, he adores Gary Sanchez, adores him. In fact, he, he fired Joe Girardi for Gary Sanchez, so he adores him. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you need to take a step back and uh, and try and see the wood from the trees. And then, and then think right. Okay, he's not good defensively. I know he's all, all pro offensively, but for a catcher, you need to play defense. So hey, real mutual, he can do it all. You know, I, sometimes you need to think about these things. I don't think Cashman is considered that in certain aspects. Well, you also have to hope that they can handle playing for the New York Yankees. You know, you could be the bet. You know, one of the top players in the game. But when mm-hmm. the New York lights come on, you look at Sonny Gray. He's a perfect example. 
Yeah. Everything going for him. The spotlight in New York was too much. He couldn't he's back to play. He's back to pitching well for Cincinnati, which makes me yeah. think that there might have been an aspect about the way that we were developing him, which was an issue with with, with well, some we, of the, we, I, we kept telling him to throw a slider, which he does not want to throw, and that was a right. huge problem. Which, when you do that to a pitcher, like you were talking about with Clint, it destroyed his confidence. He's like, I don't, I can't throw this pitch. Why do you keep making me throw it? And they keep saying, no, you got to throw it or you're not going to be good. Well, if he's not comfortable with that pitch, you can't keep making him throw it. Because if that's the case, guess what? Everyone would throw that pitch or this pitch or that pitch. It's it's not easy to throw every pitch. Yeah, it's the pitches are built. The, the pitch might be a, a valuable pitch in a, in a repertoire. But if the pitcher's not comfortable with that with a particular grip on a ball, then you don't throw that pitch. Yeah, that's what they were doing with the cutter. They wanted him to throw a cutter. Oh, cutter, yeah. Same thing with, yeah. with Paxton this past uh, uh, 2019, and he didn't really get a hang of it until early on. I was going to mention Paxton. That was another example. Yeah. And it might have been a Rothschild thing. They're just trying to get him to throw a pitch that, like Evan said, wasn't comfortable throwing. And Because when we got Gray, the, first, or the second half of 2017, he was pretty good. He wasn't mm-hmm. an ace, but he was pretty good. So you were confident with him going into 2018, and then yeah. he just was a completely different pitcher because they told him to throw different things. He kept changing his delivery. It seemed like every game he was changing his windup a little bit, and he just never was comfortable. And I think it maybe had to do with New York, but more so with the, how they were trying to coach him. Too, too much analytics, I think, in yeah. that case. No, and they did the same thing with Greg Bird, as we talked about last episode. He had surgery on his shoulder, and then they rushed him back because we didn't have a first baseman. Well, guess what? He didn't succeed. He was horrible, and now his confidence is gone. He can't even play for another team. Yeah. So, you know, in that, in that case, I feel bad for the players and how quickly uh, our development team thinks they need to push these guys because you really don't. We have plenty of pieces that can go out there and do their job. Following Rob's Claxton uh, example, that was a great example because uh, when he first arrived, he was giving up home runs right, right, like the first inning, every single um, outing, and uh, it was because they were forcing this uh, cutter. And then Paxton just went, you know what? I'm going back to my original repertoire. I'm just going, and then he started to pitch great once he just yep. kind of abandoned that what the Yankees were doing, and he started to pitch great second half of the year. Yep. So I do think there's an aspect about the way that the Yankees are are, uh, are dealing with these people sometimes. So yeah. the, the last question I wanted, I'll ask it to Evan. The, what hap- how do you f- feel the reaction is when they, you know, you know the, say the Yankees make that trade for a, a, a pitcher like they need, you know, or – I don't want to say Lindor, but I'll use his, you know, his name as an example. I don't think it would happen with him. But say Lindor comes and he's just not for New York. You know, when they, when the team makes the trade that the, that the fans want and it doesn't work, you know, now all of a sudden the fans turn on the GM and management. You know, you think that, when those situations come come to, to into play, we need to just go. You know what? This was awful. The team did what we wanted to do. We can't blame them. 
Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think that would 100% be the case with a player like Lindor. Uh, he's a tremendous talent. and I actually think he would be fine here. I think there's a little different degree with a uh, position player coming over to New York than, a, like we said, a pitcher coming over. So I think he'd be fine. But let's say he's not fine. Let's say he's terrible and we have to take that mistake. The biggest issue of that is to trade for him, you need to give him an extension. So are we going to give him an extension before he shows that he's good and then we're stuck with him if he's not? Because yeah. then the players and the fans are really going to freak out if we now have this guy for 10 years, $200 million, and we realize he's not a good fit because you're not moving that deal. Yeah, the Yankees yeah. got very lucky with the you know, Gregorius trade. You know, we were not lucky. You know, again, I should have used this as the example with Sonny Gray. I would, when they made the Sonny Gray deal, I was like, all right, this is the picture we need. This is going to get us into that next play. You know, this is going to get us – this rotation can get us to the World Series. And then when it didn't happen, we're like, well, how could Cashman go get – no, it wasn't Cashman. We're the ones that pressed that this is the guy we wanted. It's not, you know, we got what we asked for, and it's not Cashman's fault. Well, it was kind of like that with uh, with Stanton even. You know, a lot of people were like, when the Marlins are putting him on the market, like, oh, go get this guy. Can you imagine him in our lineup? He's going to hit 70 home runs with him and Judge. You're going to have 150 home runs in the lineup from three guys <laughs> if you put him with Sanchez. Yeah, and when we got him, we get his contract, and we don't even pay him the full amount. We give up nothing for him. The fans were praising Cashman, like, this guy's the best GM in baseball, and then he gets hurt in 2019 and it's like well now we're stuck with him this guy sucks cashman sucks and th th these are the same fans that were booing him his first game because he struck out a few times but we were ecstatic when we traded for him because we got him for nothing we got the reigning mvp for starlin castro and the fans were going crazy and then they boo him and now it's a bad trade so i mean sometimes i think the fans can be our worst enemy, you know, of the team. Actually. I mentioned that in the last podcast. I think the way the the, the fan base treats Gar uh, um, Stan is, is dreadful. It's really unacceptable. Like he's not a bad dude at all. He works really no. hard. He he wants right. to be there. Um, it's not like he actually makes himself injured. You know what I mean? Right. And when when he plays, he rakes. You know, so yeah, right. And you know what the interesting is too about Stanton. He's basically the same as Aaron Judge, and we love Aaron Judge because he came up because he's a homegrown player. player. Oh, he gets injured just as much, but he's yeah. our mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I, I say a lot about Judge. You know, and I'm not saying Judge is a mistake. You know, it's you know a little humor in there, but you know, it's the same thing. You know, they're both injury prone. You know, they when they're on. They're, they're unbelievable. Uh -huh. they're, they're the best at the game. But when they're at their worst, it's bad. You know, yeah. and, you know when you come in, you get booed at me. Talk about the expectations from Cashman last week. So if you want to hear that, go back and listen. So, <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I think that the fans, like Rob said perfectly, we're our own enemy. You know, we're, we're never happy, and when we're happy, it's very quick. It doesn't last because now we're like, all right, now we want more. Yeah, I mean, there's another thing with uh, with Didi. When we traded for him, you know, people weren't too happy about it because it's like, how can you replace Derek Jeter? And then he struggled out of the gates. 
yeah. offensively and defensively. And everyone's like, you're never going to be Jeter. And then he played really well. Everyone loved Didi. But at the same time, uh, the fans were so quick to let him go because Glaber can play shortstop. Now Glaber has a bad 40 games at short, and now you want to move him back to second. So, and you want Didi back. But these are the same fans that said, let him go because we don't need him. So like, the fans really don't know what they want at the same time. It's not everybody. I'm not saying it's the entire fan base, but some of them are just kind of like point. on one no, side or the no, other. They never no, know what they want. We're not trying to call anybody out because it's such a generalization. Yeah. Because the Good same point. fans are they, – they, they, they'll go both – you know, they'll think on both sides of the coin. You know, and that's sometimes what I think a lot of the fans miss the point, myself included. Sometimes you need to look at both sides of the coin to see what its real value is. You can't just go by one. You know, so it's really hard to judge some of these prospects and who we're trading for, who's on the market. You know, we drive ourselves crazy, you know, and we get into discussions like we have here on Yankee Chronicles where we just bounce ideas off each other and try to have a good time with it. I think if more fans would just kind of – collaborate instead of argue all the time of, well, I'm right and you are wrong. Yeah. Another example was Garrett Cole. Remember Garrett Cole signed, it was everybody's Christmases. And then he went through a three game stretch where he gave <laughs> only about four runs at the most yeah. over seven innings. It wasn't a big deal. And then he sucks. Oh, what an awful job. Oh my God. He's, he's another bust. And then now he's amazing again. And now everyone loves them. At the end of the day, people need to chill out a little bit. Right. And, and look what people have now done to Tanaka. He was this playoff legend for eight yeah. games. And then he has two bad ones. And now, oh, fuck, the, we got to get rid of this guy. He's terrible. He's not even good during the season. Why do we even need him? Because yeah, he's loyal, because he is good during the playoffs, and because his work ethic's unbelievable. He's a good person to have in the locker room. Whether he's going to be your number two or your number five, I still think we need him. Yeah, right. I agree with that. All right. And that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Can I mention one thing before you go? Uh, What about the recent rumors about DJ LeMahieu requesting five years? Where where are we all in on this? Give it to him. him. Give it to him. Absolutely. I am all over it. You negotiate the price down a little bit, like the average value. You negotiate down, you give him that fifth year. Why is it taking us so long to make this deal happen? I don't understand. Because he wants to be here. We want him. So what's the problem? Well, I think he's trying to see exactly what he can get. But at the same time, nothing is happening in baseball. So I'm not surprised that we haven't made made it happen. The market hasn't opened up for anyone yet. So I think with a a premium player like DJ or Bauer or Springer, they're not going to be the first guys off the board regardless especially someone like DJ, he needs to see what his market value is. And if he thinks he's willing to negotiate that fifth year now, then he obviously knows it's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Nobody, you know, every players don't want to be that. They want to be that third one off the market. They don't want to be the first one. They, they, they want to see where the tone is set. Like Evan was saying, you know, see where that average value is. You know, yeah. And then go, then use that as your, your tactic. Yeah. And so if spring is going to get, you know, for argument's sake, 20, then LeMay is going to be like, well, then I deserve 25. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, you it, it, that, that's where that fluctuation comes in. Yeah. You know, when you look at what um, with Harper got, you know, what was it? Two weeks. Then the Angels turn around and they gave they they extended Trout's contract for an astronomical amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because Trout was far superior to not far superior, but he's had the the, the better statistical career than Harper. It's even like last year, Cole signed like what a, a week or so after Strasburg did. Yeah, was it a couple right. of days or something like that? But it was right after Strasburg. Very close. Um, My only concern is we don't have a blank check this year, though. Like we do have a budget. We're operating on a budget. I'm a little bit concerned. Well, I think the longer, is the, he's the, the longer that the Mets start to figure out how much they can uh, afford to offer a DJ, for instance, or a bunch of other teams, perhaps that it will make the price rise and rise and rise exponentially to the point where maybe the Yankees just back out. That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, I don't so. see uh, – I think the negotiations are moving. It's just I think the LeMahieu's agent and the Yankees front office are being very cautious of what information is getting leaked out because okay. they don't want to have another team come in and alter the negotiation with – different offers right I also I also think it's pretty rare to see uh, huge moves or trades before Thanksgiving they usually do their player meetings first and then the winter meetings in early December which is why you see a majority of those moves happen right before Christmas or right after New Year's yeah you know and being there's no winter meetings this year it's gonna it's well, we, we said, you know, like when we started opening up with the off-season discussions, you know, it's going to be a very slow-moving off-season. You know, yeah. I didn't think you'd have any of the, the key players signed before January 1st. You know, yep. we'd like for it to be different, but I don't think this year is a reality for that. Yeah, you're right. Um, all right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us for Episode 7 of Yankee Chronicles Podcast. And I'm Bobby Ryan on behalf of YankeeChronicles.com. We want to wish everybody a happy holiday. We don't talk to you by then. And remember, stay safe, stay smart, and have a good night. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Night. Peace.